kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no cotton down. She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel good sounds. Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Chits. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. And welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline. And I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about ambient doctors, pilot kings, turtles, blonde bombshells, and polar bears. <laughs> Let's get on with the show. City. Yeah, so we were in Mexico City. I'm selling headsets, and I get to this gentleman in the back with his wife and his two daughters behind him, and he's got this really strange look on his face. And I said, "Sir, what's wrong?" He said, "You need to go tell the pilots we're going the wrong way." He said, "I fly out of here all the time. We never go this way. You need to go tell the pilots." I said, "Okay." So back in the day, you could walk up there, walk right in the cockpit. Yeah. And Walter Duke was a pilot or something. I said, "Hey, Walter," and he said, "What?" I said, "There's a guy back here that's really worried because we're going the wrong way," and he said. Actually, it's funny. He said, we usually don't take off of this runway, but in about 30 seconds, we're going to make a really steep bank. I don't know what was going on, why we couldn't take off the regular way. He said, but we're going to make a really steep bank. So you go back there and you tell him thank you. <laughs> and then he'll think that you made a turn. <laughs> so so I, went to the, I went to the back and I said, sir, headsets are on me. Drinks are on me. Anything you want. I said, what? I said, the pilot, if you'll notice, now you can tell, we're making this steep bank. The pilot said to tell you, thank you very we're much. We're turning around. We're, we're heading on the right direction. And the, the mom and the two daughters are like rolling their eyes because yeah. they know that yeah. I'm just teasing them. And he gets all puffed up yeah. and he's like, Proud. see, I knew we were going the wrong way. I knew it. Thank you for asking. Oh my gosh, I was working a trip to Amsterdam and there was this flight attendant, real cute flight attendant, and she um, she was real sweet with the passengers on the beverage cart. She would say to each person, and at first I just kept laughing every time she said it, not realizing she was going to say it to 200 people, but she'd go, hi, <laughs> to each person, hi. And then she'd call everybody precious. I mean, the passengers loved her, but I kept laughing at the hi because I was saying it's such a sweet hi, <laughs> you know, sing songy. And so I started doing it and I'd go like, hi. <laughs> and and I would laugh because it seemed, uh, I, I felt very silly doing this, this, this hello. But I noticed the passengers liked it. So then I kept out, you know, there's like 10 of us on the crew. It's a big airplane. So I had everybody practicing the hi, and here's the actual girl and a couple other people uh, doing the hi. Here, do your hi that I like so much. Hi. <laughs> hi. I, you know what? You should try it because 
it's almost impossible to be in a bad mood and say, Hi! Oh, it was about 1998, probably. And I'd say we were going from New York, JFK, to uh, Frankfurt, Germany. And I'd say somewhere on the middle of the night, about three quarters of the way through the flight, some passengers got my attention. They said, this lady, this German lady, is trying to, thinking about get, going out the window. Out the window. Yeah. And, um, and so basically me and this other flight attendant try to, you know, see what's going on. And um, next thing I know, we're talking to her, and she kicks us, kicks me, and takes a swing at the other guy, the other flight attendant. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she was a little thing. She wasn't about 98 pounds, whatever. Didn't speak a word of English. We almost I had to, I had to stop myself from laughing. Actually, <laughs> normally, normally, it'd be, it'd be a very, very serious thing, you know. But uh, basically, um, we don't know whether she, it was pre-ambient days, you know. But I don't know. It could have been a pre-ambient. I don't know what it could have been. Something, drug. a different drug, you know. Could have been some alcohol. We don't know. And um, anyway, so end up, we end up, the police met the flight, the local German police, you know, met the flight. And I was disappointed when I found out she wasn't arrested or yeah. wasn't taken away or whatever. I so just a slip of a thing. I think so, too. So I had this guy sitting at the exit row who told me that he would like to go sleep out on the wing. And at first, you know, I didn't know if he was joking or whatever because, um, yeah. Sleep on the wing. Right. So um, he said, well, it's in the in-flight magazine that you can, you're allowed to go sleep on the wing. And I was like, no. No, it's not. He's like, it is. I'm like, no. And so we moved him out of the exit room and stuff because, you know, we're afraid he was going to try to get out. And then later on, this flight attendant tells me, well, there is that ad in the in-flight what? magazine where it's like a joke where they show a picture of somebody sleeping out Come on, the wing. you're kidding me. <laughs> so it actually was in there. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I was working a flight to Europe and, uh, it was everything was pretty uneventful. I was sitting in the back galley after the service with another flight attendant, and this tall man came back to the galley. Uh, he seemed perfectly pleasant. We started talking about uh, movies uh, that people were watching, and I was saying how I liked Lion. It's the with the Indian boy that gets lost. Oh, it's such a touching story. My goodness, I watched that coming home on a flight as a passenger, and I looked like a, you know, I was on my. Somebody, I my loved one was on a deathbed. That's how much I was sobbing. I was like hysterical. <laughs> I think I'm a little bit, uh, I think I'm a little too sensitive. <laughs> but anyway, we started talking about that. And then he started mentioning that he had spent a year in India. So we were talking about India, uh, just having a nice conversation between the three of us. And then this woman, very tall woman, uh, comes back and she's like, uh, this is my husband. And we were both like, okay, because, you know, we, we thought, oh, does she think we're flirting with him? We're not. We're just shooting the shit in the galley. <laughs> you know? And she was like, it's my husband. And we're like, yeah, all right. And then she seemed very um, worried about her husband. And we couldn't totally understand what was wrong until she admitted that um, she's a doctor and her husband's a doctor and they're going to Europe. And um, she had called in. She said she had been very busy. And she had called in their prescription for Ambien. And she had mistakenly got the 10 milligrams and where they usually get the 5 milligrams. And they usually cut them in half. Well, the husband didn't realize that she had doubled the prescription. So he took two halves, which is a whole, and another half. So if they were taking the fives, that'd be like seven and a half milligrams. But instead, he took 15. So he took double. And now she was really upset because she 
felt like she had overdosed her husband on a flight. And when she came running back there, she was afraid he was going to be peeing or taking his clothes off or doing something crazy. And she was afraid she was going to have to go make him throw up in the bathroom if he was doing anything crazy. But actually, you know, maybe it's because he was probably really smart. So even on Ambien, he's, he was very coherent. I don't know. Who knows? You know, everybody, he's a big, tall guy. So maybe it also, you know, he just affected him differently because he didn't seem that messed up. And so now she said she had taken too much also. But, you know, my other Ambien zombies are normally um, doing something crazy, but these two seem pretty good on Ambien. And uh, since they were both doctors, <laughs> my... My coworker had hurt her wrist and it was swollen and it was like, there was um, bruising. So she asked the Ambien doctor, hey, can you, can you look at my wrist? And she's like, okay, sure. And uh, she's like, but remember, I'm on Ambien. <laughs> and she basically diagnosed her. She seemed very coherent. She's probably, you know, she's better on, on Ambien than other doctors, it seemed like. And so I asked her since she was being free with the medical advice, I had woken up with this bump on my chest a few months ago, very concerning because it was like um, half the size of a ping pong ball on my chest. It wasn't there before. It was red. Uh, I've been to two doctors, a chiropractor, an acupuncturist, a massage therapist. I've been to all these people that keep telling me it's fine, but it's still concerning to me to have a bump on my like collarbone. So I asked the ambient doctor, hey, I said, can you look at this? <laughs> Nothing like getting free medical advice from the impaired doctors. And she was like, okay, but remember I'm on Ambien. <laughs> you know, she basically was touching around, feeling it, poking, and she thought it seemed fine. Uh, and so now the wife went back to her seat and the husband stayed for just a few more minutes. And uh, uh, he was walking back to his seat and I noticed him uh, holding onto the seats, kind of like hanging on as he was walking all the way up to the cabin. They were in the front of the cabin. And, uh, I walked up just in case I thought, what if he falls over or something, you know, because he is on Ambien. Uh, even though he's a good Ambien zombie, he, you know, he's still on Ambien. So I walked up. I'm just walking behind him, just making sure because he's holding on like, you know, it's slippery or something. And so I said, be careful walking. And I'm behind him. And I see him looking up at the sky like the voice is coming from up above or something. <laughs> and then he turned around and looked at me and he's like, oh, I wondered where that where that voice was coming from. <laughs> Nothing like two doctors and an ambient. Hey lady, what you looking so sad? The king of Holland. Who is the king? The king. Yeah, who has been king since a couple of years. His name is Willem Alexander, and he has been secretly a pilot for KLM since 20 years. For twice, 20 years. 20 years, twice, twice a month as co-pilot. Do on a he Fokker just wanted, airplane. No. Uh -huh. he's, he's a king pilot on a Fokker. Yeah. And he, uh, they're phasing out the Fokker airplane, so now he has to re-qualify on a 737. So that's how he came out. Yeah, but aren't people going to recognize him? Now maybe. Now maybe, but he always said, sometimes I thought my voice sounded familiar, but then he could always make a PA and say, on behalf of the captain, captain so -and -so. I would like you to welcome you to blah blah blah. So, so did he, have he like, never mentioned his own name. Was it like a double life? So like I'm a king over here and a pilot over here? No, it's just he always was passionate about flying. That's nice and, actually. Uh -huh, he did it when he was a kid. And, yeah. uh, you know, people probably wouldn't recognize him in the pilot outfit because it's out no, of context. Yeah, the cap and it's out of context. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. 
king pilot. Not that he wears a crown when he his daily life. Yeah, yeah, like no, that would be the best part if he was in his pilot uniform with a crown. I was flying with a male flight attendant who I really like. He's very interesting. He um, used to be part of like a marine search and res- rescue. Uh, he's done a lot of interesting jobs. And I like the water. And we started talking about the Caribbean. And he was telling me that he was working in some out island in the Caribbean. And um, they saw they had some fishing lines out. And they saw a turtle coming in. The turtle was on the surface, and they didn't want the turtle to get caught in the lines. So they had this broom that they were supposed to wherever they were supposed to clean every day. So they took the broom and with the handle, they just wanted to nudge the turtle's shell just to move it away, you know, nudge it away from the line so it wouldn't get caught. You know, actually being nice to the turtle. But since when they nudged the turtle with the broom, the turtle didn't like it. And the turtle reached over and and bit the broom handle in half. That's, I'm serious, that's a strong turtle. But they were saying that they were on this out island and they didn't have much, uh, they didn't have any way to buy anything. And that was their only broom. So the next day, they were bent over using this tiny handle broom. And people were looking at them like, what are you doing? But they couldn't exactly say, well, the turtle bit it. So I was flying from Barcelona to um, the United States and we had this blonde bombshell sitting up in first class. Blonde bombshell. Blonde bombshell. Tall, beautiful, long, blonde, beachy, wavy hair that's just like flowing as she walks in. Gets up, goes, snaps her finger, yo, stewardess, I need some water over here. I mean, of course, New York. And then we give her the water. And then after we finish service, we're breaking everything down, the pilot comes up, tells our purser, hey, you know the lady sitting up there, the one that's traveling with that really, really old man? She just got caught trying to join the Mile High Club with him. Oh. And then we're like, the what? Bombshell? The bombshell. It's traveling with an old man. Very old man. They're together. Oh. And what happened was um, he went into the restroom, the lavatory. She went behind him, slipped a note under the door. He didn't see it. The pilot, she didn't also see the pilot because he said, oh my gosh, oh wait, so the pilot went in? Well, pilot, you know how on the Airbus there's that yeah. one section, so she didn't notice the pilot was um, hiding on the other side. Pilot goes into the lavatory, finds the note. Finds obviously, the note. on the gr- yeah, on the ground. Obviously, know whose it is. Had to go to the purser. So for the rest of the flight, we had to keep watching her in case she wanted to join the Mile High Club with her man. I like how you say man. Man, who was not her husband. Man, quote unquote, man. So a listener had emailed me asking to to discuss, you know, the current climate of the videos and all the airplane incidents and all the airline uh, um, problems that have been popping up and everybody taking videos. And I haven't, I didn't discuss it on the last podcast because I feel like it's kind of been discussed at nauseum, you know, uh, people keep asking me about it when I'm sitting on the jump seat across from them. And uh, all I'll say is I do believe with the cell phone video and everything and with everything being on the news. And when you get to be in a new cycle, you know, if we had Bill Cosby doing something, they'd forget about the airline stuff. But, you know, it's the airline stuff, you know, at the moment. Uh, 
I do think that passengers are all riled up. You know, they're ready for a fight. They've got their dukes on. You know, they want they want a video where they're going to get famous or, you know, win some money in a lawsuit or uh, they're just waiting for something to happen. You know, <laughs> they wanted to be on their flight. It's just a strange thing. So I was on the flight. <laughs> We're heading to Amsterdam boarding and a piece of trim on the airplane came down. I mean, it happens all the time. It's no big deal. You know, sometimes we'll just throw it in a closet because it doesn't affect anything on the plane. But since we were on the ground, uh, they decided to get a mechanic to put it back up. So the mechanic comes and he's, you know, he's, it's just a piece of plastic trim and he's putting it back up. And like six, six passengers had their cell phones out filming the mechanic. I guess they were hoping he was going to drop it on somebody's head or somebody was going to swear or something dramatic was going to happen, but he just put it back up and left. And I thought, well, you guys are going to be all disappointed. That is one boring airplane video. And then a flight attendant on the trip was saying, oh yeah, a couple trips ago, I was uh, was sitting on my jump seat and I hear this and this passenger threw up all over her threw up everywhere there was just puke everywhere the girl felt really bad the passenger but she still has puke all over her right so she's cleaning up herself and she has to clean up you know all around the jump seat you can't just leave the puke there so she's like on her hands and knees cleaning up puke and there's like three passengers with their cell phones videotaping her clean up puke and she went to them and good for her and brave for her and kudos she went up to him and said you should be ashamed of yourself you know you're just going to videotape me being humiliated is that fun or what so i do think uh <laughs> i do think there's an issue and you know and everybody has uh i remember when a camcorder used to be a giant heavy thing you'd have to rest on your shoulder and it had a whole vhs tape in it. You know, then not everybody had one of those, but since you just have it on your phone, uh, do you think that people are just going to continue to film things? And sure, there are times when airlines don't act appropriately. That's happened. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I also think that uh, people are looking for things, you know, to film. So anyway, if I'm cleaning up puke, please don't film me. Well, we had this uh, this flight, Amsterdam. I forget if it's Amsterdam back to the States or just to Amsterdam. But this lady, uh, she's in row 20-ish, 22, and she gets up and gets her bag out of the overhead and walks all the way to the fr- to front door. One left. The purser is sitting over there, and she goes. The lady says to her, I'm ready to get off now. <laughs> And the person looks back into the cabin at us because we were kind of joking with each other. And so she's like, are you guys pulling one on me? You know, the lady, she goes, we're not there yet. She's like, no, but I, I know that, but I'm, I'm ready to get off. So she gets her back to her seat, puts the bag back in there. That, I mean, wait, eyes are open and everything. She sits down and like 10 minutes later, she goes, she wakes up. She's like, oh, can I have a Coke or something? like do you remember earlier <laughs> no what well you were ready to get off no I didn't well it must have been that Ambien or that Xanax or something that I took so but we're just glad that the person was sitting at one left 
because maybe she would have tried the door or something, which yeah. we know nothing will happen, but there you so go. It'd be scary to even think about it. Yeah, exactly. Even though it's yeah, scary of the people. I call them ambient zombies. That's it. I'd like to thank any of you who were so kind to go to my website, BettyInTheSky.com, to click through if you're going to buy something on Amazon. It doesn't cost you any more. It supports the show. I thank you so very much. I like to see what people buy. And this past month, somebody bought Dr. Seuss's Happy Birthday Baby book, Astrophysics. <laughs> can't even say it. Astrophysics for people in a hurry. Uh, do cows meow and the master of crows so if you're going to buy something on amazon please consider to go going to my website bettyinthesky.com click through doesn't cost you anymore you can even bookmark it if you do have your ad blocker on that will probably mess up the uh links uh but if you'd be so kind i thank you so very much wanna lift you up never let you so uh, this elderly gentleman comes to the back of the airplane in the middle of the night to get a cup of coffee because he can't sleep. Thought he'd just stay awake. And so I handed him a cup of coffee in a paper cup, and he set the cup down very quickly and said, Oh, what are you trying to ruin my sex life? I said, I said, what do you mean? He said, if you give an old man a hot cup of coffee and he burns his tongue and he burns his fingers, he won't have sex for three weeks. <laughs> things that's um, kind of odd about being a flight attendant is you have a lot of restrictions. You know, you can't have crazy hair. You have to have your hair a certain length or you have to have it pulled back. You can't have uh, big chunky jewelry. Um, your earrings have to be like smaller than a size of a quarter. There's like all these, you know, because they're trying to keep it uniform. It's called a uniform. So um, you also can only have certain nail colors, that kind of thing. So um, this flight attendant was on vacation. And uh, she had been gone for a while, and I noticed, I wasn't, it's funny because she immediately got defensive, but I wasn't commenting on her being, quote-unquote, non-compliant. I just noticed that I had never flown with her before, and I noticed she had long purple nails. She had on a purple Fitbit, and um, I think she had a, she was holding a purple pen, and all I said was, Oh, you really like purple. Everything matches. And then she goes, gets all defensive. And she goes, oh, my gosh. Um, but I know my nails aren't supposed to be this color. And I'm thinking, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I'm not the nail police. <laughs> and she's like, oh, my gosh. I was driving to work today. And I realized that I still had my purple nails. Um, so uh, she couldn't just take it. She had like, you know, she goes to a salon. They're, they're like fake long purple nails so she would have had to make an appointment so she couldn't fix it you know like in her car and she said I was driving and I realized oh crap I've got my purple nails so um she's in charge and so she has to go up to the supervisor desk to get the paperwork for an international trip and um there's like certain things for different places so they have to go up there and um now that's the place where somebody would be noticing you are non-compliant so she said she didn't know what to do. So she decided she she curled up her hands into a fist and then put the, the thumb in there too, right? So now she's got like hooves, but she has to pick up the paperwork. So she's trying to have them not look at her hands because they might notice that she was picking up the paperwork with her hooves because she had her fingers all balled up. She couldn't see the long, 
purple fingernails. So she's like, hey, hi, how you doing? And she's looking down thinking, get that paperwork with my hooves. Well, and my friend told me this story, and he's junior, so he's on a flight, and they're going, and the flight leader, um, a passenger gets on, and he comes up to the front, and he's saying, hey, I think this guy's really intoxicated. I think he may not be able to fly. And so the flight leader's like, oh, no, he's fine. I'm sure he's, he's fine. So he's like, well, he can barely stand. He's like, oh, well, I'm sure he's fine. I'll go check on him later on. So the door closes before she gets to check on him. And so everyone in the back is just kind of like, this guy, you know, telling him. So she walks by and she jokes with him and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, oh, he's fine. So she goes back up to the front. So they finish the service and he goes, he, um, the guy, uh, I mean, they're all in the front. This is on the MD-88 or MD-90. So they're all in the front kind of, you know, doing stuff. And all of a sudden they see the guy coming up to the front. He's staggering, staggering. So he starts, they, he gets the economy comfort and starts pulling down his pants and he turns and he pees on the, he, he pulls the and they're like, oh no, before they can even get to him, he's peeing on the passenger. I, I guess that would be 10, what, CD or something. So he's peeing on there. Oh my gosh. So they go, the one flight attendant, the guy, my friend who goes, <laughs> who, who knew initially that he was right. drunk. He goes and he says, um, oh, he goes and grabs the guy. He's like, no, no, no. And um, Stop. stops him. And then they grab the tough cuffs because he's like getting oh, yeah. belligerent now and his pants so, are like down. So like the handcuffs. Yeah. Handcuffs, yeah. And so they put him in the cuffs and the guy, and they didn't want to touch him, but they gave him a blanket, but he wouldn't cooperate with them trying to keep it down. So he waddles to the back of the plane with his pants down. Everyone's appalled. Oh my God, appalled. he everybody. Yes, kid, the, people are grabbing their kids, the boom side. Then the other flight attendant is tending to the guy who was peed on right. and he's like taking you no know, taking off his shirt and they're trying to like wash him off or whatever he comes to the front but he doesn't want to so they're like well we're gonna uh, have a police meet yeah. a police officer meet the flight and we want you to give a statement that he's like no 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 I don't want to give a statement I don't want to give a statement so no one understands and we're like well you know we'll get you a shirt he's like oh no no I'll, I'll get something out of my bag it's okay it's fine Boy, does he have like a record or something or is he like no yeah, the, yeah so this is in the so the uh, my friend goes back up to his friend he's the only male on the crew so the flight crew is like hey can you go talk to that guy we don't understand why he doesn't want to give a statement so he pulls him to the side turns out he's a pilot oh. who's going on vacation with his mistress oh. and his wife thinks that he's working a flight yeah, yeah he doesn't want any he doesn't want any drama he doesn't want to be a part of it i'm not supposed to be here so he tells him that he's like oh my gosh so now he goes back my friend and tells the rest of the crew and since they're all women they're like oh no it's like, we're definitely gonna right we're definitely gonna now we're really gonna um say something and have the police meet the flight even if he doesn't want to so then they do because the guy begged him he said oh please don't you know have anything but turns out he he had to end up making a statement because they told the pilots. Yeah. Then and they ended up he ended up having to make a statement. So it's interesting who he chose to pee on. The one guy. I know the irony. The irony of it. And I said, you know what? What goes around comes around. It really does. <laughs> Sometimes it's fast. Yes, and it was fast. He was on his way. He hadn't even. What if he was on? Because I think they were. They had one more flight to get on. Yeah. So just think. He was almost in the clear. Yeah. <laughs> that guy pees on him. Yes. See. I was talking to a flight attendant who had recently been on safari in South Africa. Gosh, it's been so long since I've been on a safari. I just love that. So uh, she said that one of the funny things that uh, 
she noticed when they were on safari, she said they'd seen, um, I think, four of the big five, but um, they saw a lion kill an impala. And, you know, there's a lot of them. And uh, the guide, their safari guide said, oh, look, see how you can sort of see there's like an M on the back, like on the buttocks of the impala. And they're like, yeah. And he goes, that stands for McDonald's. I was in Munich recently, and it was time to go to bed, and, you know, I had to get up so early, but I had the TV on, and there was a comedy special, Happy and Glorious, with Michael McIntyre. He's a British comedian. He was so funny. I ended up staying up watching the whole darn thing, even though I had to go to sleep, because it was so great, and there was a big part on um, airlines, and, you know, maybe it's because I'm there so much, but listen to a little bit of this, and you need to check him out. Michael McIntyre. Fast. You need to bring out your fastball because you're not allowed to run in some social situations. You're not allowed to run, but you need to be going as fast as you can. Like when I came back from holiday recently, you're actually racing. When the plane lands, you're racing everybody on the plane to get to the banks. It's a race, but it's not acknowledged. Nobody acknowledges that it's a race, but they are passengers who become competitors as soon as the seatbelt sign is on. The captain might as well go, welcome to London Heathrow, any more? So get set to go! Sometimes you politely let people off into the arm. No, after you. No, please, after you. But you're eyeballing them. I'll get you in the tunnel, dickhead. <laughs> this seed that I just gave you, I'll be reclaiming that in the funnel before we even reach the tunnel. Because as soon as you get out, you've got your bags, you start jockeying for position overtaking. Sometimes they respond, but they never look over. They never acknowledge that there's a race. They speed up. No, you bloody don't. But they never acknowledge that it's a race. I know exactly what's going on here. People's children, I need to pee! There's no way we can pee. We're in fourth place, piss your pants, we could win this, come on. <laughs> I like it when you get to the moving floor, you know, the travelator floor. You know when you step on and suddenly you're moving at twice the speed. Because right next to the moving floor is a non-moving floor option. Which I think we can just call floor, now that I think it's... <laughs> take the moving floor option because the bloody floor is moving but some people you know who you are you decide for some reason you can beat all of the people on the moving floor and you realize your mistake quite early and have to justify it by bringing out the fastest walk you've ever even attempted i am justified to take the non-moving floor i will beat all of you but you can't people on the moving floor are just like you're never going to beat me i'm on a moving floor It doesn't matter how well you do in the race, there's only one actual winner of the race, as we all know, and that's the elderly on the back of the buggy, and don't they love their little girls as they come beeping past? Beep, 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 beep! It really is. It really is. Okay, so something happened on a layover? Yeah, crew was laying over in Nice, France, and they had, one of the crew members had a balcony on the third floor so they had a party in the room they said let's get a picture with the uh in the room because we've got this beautiful room so the the captain says oh i'll take it and he backs up to the balcony and tells everyone to gather together and so they're gathering together and then all of a sudden they look up and there's no captain so they thought where'd he go did he go to the bathroom well no he had backed up so far he went over the railing and fell be three floors to the to the ground Fortunately, fell between a wall and the first floor and landed in the grass. So, but when did they notice that he was? Uh, it took gone? him a minute. It took him a minute to to notice that he was gone until they heard an oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. <laughs>
like to thank a listener for a very generous PayPal donation. His name is George Geary, and he's a chef and a author, and he writes great books. If you want to check him out, he's at www.georgegeary.com. Com. Okay, I got another announcement. This is kind of exciting to me. It might not be exciting to you, <laughs> but my first work of fiction, it's called Tar, is uh, finished. Uh, I'll probably announce it in the next episode uh, where you could get it and things like that, um, because I still have a few things to do, like get, the, get it uploaded and um, get a website. Oh, you know, kind of stuff like that. But details, but it's done, which is exciting. And I'm almost finished with the second one. I already have the idea for the third one. And uh, I think I mentioned this many podcasts ago, but the idea for these fictional stories are going to be travel related. So it's going to be a trip that I've taken with more details than I usually give on the podcast with a bonus of a fictional story. Uh, There will also be links to, to hotels, uh, restaurants, things like that. And um, I'm excited. (laughs) Like uh, the second one is about um, my road trip around Iceland. So when I was taking the road trip around Iceland, I was also uh, writing the story for the characters. So it was almost like the characters were on my road trip around Iceland with me. That make any sense? It's a little surreal. (laughs) It's a little strange. But I've been writing like in um, restaurants and pubs around Europe. I do notice that people see you writing and and comment, maybe just because I'm writing in notebooks. I don't like if I'm at the beach or something, I don't want to have a electronic device and leave it if I go snorkeling or something. So uh, anyway, I'll tell you just a little bit about tar and I'll tell you a little more next episode. But it's about a drug that makes you really smart and it has a giant problematic side effect. (laughs) And it deals with want and lust and greed and addiction. And the same characters are going to be in the same uh, for the first at least three works of fiction. So I'm excited about and you guys might want to know about this, but I'm going to also do audiobooks. I figure you already like listening to me, you might prefer that um, to reading and also the ebooks are going to be really cheap. (laughs) You won't have to invest a lot. Because also, uh, I'm going to tell you more about this later, but I'm asking to not be too critical at least on the first one. Just like the podcast, I learn as I go. I realize now that the second one is already so much better than the first one because uh, of practice. You know, you always get better with practice. And uh, I've never taken a writing class or anything. <laughs> so I will be coming out with the ebook and audiobooks. Okay, let's get back on with the show. Okay, so something happened on your trip? Yeah, so one time I was flying to to Narita out of Kennedy. It was a 747SP back in the Pan Am days. Oh, wait, you were Pan Am? I was Pan Am. Oh, they're my favorite. Okay. Yeah, so the, the galley up front went from R1 to R2. Right. And half of it was for the first class cabin and half of it was for business. So I'm getting something out of the chiller at the R1 yeah. door, and I look out, and there's either Mount McKinley or one of the beautiful Mount yeah. Rainier. Anyway, it was incredible. I've never seen it before. So just kind of awestruck looking right. out the window at this beautiful mountain. And this man comes up to me and he says, what are you looking at? And I said, there is a mama polar bear down there and she's got two babies. I said, look right down there. And he looks and he can't see him. And I look out the window again and I said, oh shoot, now you can't see him because they shut their eyes. And 
Because they shut their eyes. Yeah, he actually pushed me out of the way. He said, where are they? looking out the window for these polar bears. I couldn't stop laughing. The rest but of the you way. said they shut their eyes. She shut their eyes. All I ever was a chance to see. So I was on my way over to Europe, and it was after the meal service, and we had a jump seater because we were totally full. So, you know, she doesn't have a seat. She's a flight attendant, but she doesn't have a seat. She's in regular clothes. And um, while we're doing the service, uh, she can go down to the crew rest area because we're not using it. We're working, but then... um, once we're done with the service, she has to come back up because we're going to be using them. And, uh, you know, we, we have priority because we're working. Anyway, um, so this was after the service and lots of times after the service. So we picked up the meals and everything. Uh, there's people standing around waiting to get in the bathroom. So there was a 10-year-old boy, cute little blonde boy uh, in the galley. And the girl, the jump seater, the flight attendant who's jump seating. So she's in regular clothes. She's a young, young girl. Comes up out of the hatch, <laughs> opens the door, and, you know, you should have seen his eyes. He was like, where is she coming from? You know, she's coming up from a hatch on the floor. <laughs> and his eyes are so big, so I just took that opportunity to have a little fun, and I'm like, oh, yeah, um, that's the dungeon, and that's where we put the bad passengers. And he's his eyes are so big, he's like, what? There's a dungeon for bad passengers but you know it seemed totally legit because she had just come out of what looks like a dungeon (laughs) and I was envisioning him going back to his parents there's a dungeon I saw it going back to school there's a dungeon on the airplane I saw it I saw a bad passenger come out of there you have to be good (laughs) but unfortunately the guy flight attendant was back there said no it's just where we go down to take a nap and I was thinking why do you have to go and do that the dungeon story was so much better. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Bye! Hey, hey.